today's episode, we are talking about that super sexy topic of taxes. Now, don't leave me because we are digging into some most asked questions that people ask me about when it comes to bookkeeping and taxes. So this may not be the sexiest episode, but it's the episode that could potentially save you a ton of money. And that is sexy, my friend. So let's jump on in. Welcome to the Serve Scale Soar podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs scale their online business to five-figure months so they can soar into six-figure years. Your host, Brandy, is a wife, mom, and in less than one year, created a six-figure business. And now she is spilling all her secrets so you can too. Surf Skelsor family. I am so excited to be back with another episode of the podcast. And today we are talking about that super sexy topic of taxes. And I have my own accountant on here. And so I am beyond excited to introduce you to Rebecca. And she's going to talk to us all about how to prepare for our taxes in this season. So Rebecca, please tell my audience who you are as a person and then a little bit about your business. Sure. Well, first of all, Brandy, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Rebecca Driscoll, and I am a CPA and a mom, um, soon to be a mom of two, actually. I've got another one on the way, which is very exciting, which is a whole challenge as a business owner, which we, I'm sure we can touch on that later on in the conversation. But business owner, mom, wife, and yeah, so I own a, a firm called Conscious Accounting, and we we work mostly with online service providers, actually. We have um, a bit of a niche in real estate as well, which kind of overlaps into every industry because, you know, as you start generating wealth, um, sometimes it becomes a natural next step to invest in real estate. So we help our clients uh, with, you know, all sorts of big decisions in life. And that's basically it. <laughs> I love it. And Rebecca, I'm trying to, I've been racking my brain over this. And I feel like I've just like lost a part of time, but I don't even know. So for anyone listening, Rebecca, her like actual business, like the physical location is in St. Pete. So I started using you when I started my business and we were also in St. Pete, but I don't remember how we actually connected. Do you remember? Yes. Okay. It was at... I gave a talk at the, in Tampa at that, um, it was rising tides. That's okay. what it was. Yes. Um, they asked me to speak and then you came up afterward and said, you know, I think I might need some help. I, things are kind of going well with my business and I might need to talk to you. And then we talked and I was like, Oh, yes, girl. Yeah. You've got, you're moving and shaking. Like there's stuff going on here. Yeah. Okay. I remember this now. That's the first time I've ever been to a rising tide and the last time I've ever Same. been. Into their one of their meetings. So that's so fun. And I think so funny. at that point, that must have been, yeah, I guess that from the very jump, you had been working with me since I started this business. Yeah, I think that was your first year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm super excited to have this conversation because I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions around taxes. Yes. And like, when do you need to file? How do you file? And then there's this whole LLC S Corp thing, which are two mm-hmm. different things. And so we're just going to dive into the most popular topics and questions I get asked. And this is what I always say, y'all. I'm not an accountant by any means. (laughs) And so go speak to one before asking just anyone on the internet accounting advice. Because this is where the whole, I think, LLC and S-Corp thing gets mixed up. Oh, yeah. Because we just hear people online say stuff. 
So yes. before we jump into that, I first want to start with like, when do you actually have to file taxes as a service provider? Great question. So you have a legal obligation to file taxes if you are bringing in six, I think it's $600 or more per year in revenue from whatever kind of side hustle or business or whatever it is you're doing. If you make like $200 and there's no other activity going on in your life, you don't have uh, like you're not employed anywhere. You don't like there's no tax forms coming to your house each year. You actually don't have to file taxes. So there are times in life where, where you're not required to, but most people are required to file taxes. And it's kind of confusing because we think of our business as like separate from us. But for tax purposes, if you don't make any like special elections or anything, if you are the sole owner of your business, it's not like multiple owners, you and your business are looked at as actually the same for tax purposes. So it's just one tax return. And the tax return is has different sections. They're called scheduled And there's a special schedule where you would report your business activity, which is called the Schedule C. Um, So just by default, even if you don't do anything, no LLC, nothing, like it's just, you just made some money without any formal anything, then you would fill out the Schedule C part of a tax return. And all of that, including like your personal, your, if you're married, your spouse's info, all of that goes on one tax return, which is due on April 15th every year. And then so with that, At what point do you think that people need to hire a professional to start doing their taxes? If they have some people are stay at home moms, they have this side hustle, but they don't see it as a full time thing. Then we have some people with nine to fives and this side hustle. And then we have full time entrepreneurs. So at what point do you think it's like, okay, I can't do this on my own anymore through like H&R Block or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I actually need to get an accountant. Yeah. So. I I see a lot of people using TurboTax or like H&R Block like first before they find an accountant. H&R Block scares me a little bit, like just to give my own advice here of how I feel, because they are like filing your taxes on the spot. So there's no time to like say, oh, wait, uh, we need one more document. Like, let's take our time here and let's let's come back and reconvene after we grab this. It's like, nope, let's get it done right now. So it's possible that some things might be missing. And I just don't like the rush of it to be done like in real time together in person in the moment. I'd rather see someone kind of like take a break and come back to it and like go look for some more documents and, and things like that. So not to say that like you, sh- if, if you've had a great experience with it and you're like, no, I have all my ducks in a row. I always bring every document. I don't forget anything. I trust the preparer that I use is, you know, great. It's a good fit for you. But in general, I would say that like filing a tax return is not something I would ever want to rush. So that's the only issue I have with H&R Block is that like it's kind of rushed because you're just sitting there and getting it done, uh, which is very efficient, but you have to have a lot of attention to detail with with a tax return. Like, um, so working like with a tax professional, like like a CPA firm like ours or, or, you know, a different one is that like, we'll have like someone prepares it and then a whole different person will go through and with a fine tooth comb and review it. And then, you know, then we give it to the client and then they review it. So it's, there's much more like opportunities to find any sort of error or anything like that, or, or a missed opportunity, something like that. I do like TurboTax for uh, someone filing their own taxes. I think that it does a really good job walking you through kind of all of the things you should be thinking about. Like at the beginning, it will ask like, you know, did you have a job? Did you have 
childcare expenses? Did you, you know, all these different things to kind of help prompt like different ideas that come to mind of, oh yeah, we do have that. Or did you buy solar panels? Do, do you have an electric car? Like all these things, like it will ask you so that you don't have to like be responsible for remembering them on your own. It will also ask you, are you self-employed? And if you say yes to that, it will bring you through questions about, you know, what, how much money came in and how much money did you spend and give you examples of different expense categories. So if you are someone who goes through using a tool like that and feels really good while you're answering the questions and you're feeling really confident, then it, it's great. And I would just say like, stick to that until your profit is, so that's revenue sales minus expenses. So the bottom line number if that number is getting like closer to like 75,000 or up, then the tax strategies and tax planning knowledge that a CPA has or, or an enrolled agent or any like tax professional has will outweigh, you know, the benefit of, of, of it being cheaper to use like TurboTax because we have some strategies we can implement when you're starting to make, you know, decent money that will actually save you a lot of money that like TurboTax can't implement, like a robot can't implement some of these things. So, but if it is a side hustle that, you know, you guys have like, you know, some W-2s and then you also just have like kind of something you're doing on the side, you can go through those questions that it asks you. It helps walk you through what expenses to put in and, and all of that. The only issue is, or there's two issues. One, if you're doing it and you don't feel confident and something just feels like, I don't think I'm doing this right, or it just feels like sketchy to you. Like, I just, I don't know then don't do it. Like just have a professional do it. If, if if you're not feeling confident as you're going through it, some people feel great and other people are like, this just, I don't know what I'm doing. So if it just feels like a foreign language or something, then just outsource it. Or if you are, the, the one thing I have seen with TurboTax is it kind of, sometimes it'll ask you the same question multiple times and you might like double or triple your deductions by accident because it like asks you about like a vehicle, but then it asks you like your gas expenses and then you might like kind of double up on some things. And then, you know, if you were ever to get audited by the IRS or something, they would be like, you took this deduction multiple times in the same year. And it's just could be because the questions were sort of confusing. So I would say like, if you kind of just have a small operation going on, it's probably fine. But as things get bigger and more profitable and there's more tax dollars that you're paying, then there's probably a way that like a tax professional could help you save money on taxes and and implement some strategies. I love this. And so talking about auditing, what is someone's, I don't know if this is like public knowledge or something, but what are someone's chance of actually getting audited? So I can't give you like a, oh, it's a 3% chance. But what I can tell you So I think like at the most basic level, all tax returns get sort of like scanned through maybe electronically, just sort of go through some sort of like screening for numbers that seem like out of proportion. So like, let's say, you know, your income for the year was 30,000, but your charitable contributions for the year were 7 million. Like that might like make the little machine kind of, you know, go like ding, ding, ding. This seems just out of place. This seems like a little strange. And then maybe they have an automation where like a letter goes right out to you to just say like, hey, this can, you know, can you give us some supporting documents? And you're not really being like audited. You're just being asked like some clarification questions. Or maybe it's like a large enough value that like a formal audit takes place. And 
this actually happened to my parents. Um, something like kind of not those same numbers, but like a similar, like just they are retired. So they're not making a ton of money, but they were very generous with their contributions to charity one year. And all that they had to do was just compile receipts for all of those charitable contributions and present them. And then it was over. So, you know, a lot of times people ask, do I need to keep all my receipts? Right. And the answer is no. But if you were to get audited, you would have to kind of explain how you got the numbers that you got, you know, so like keeping good records of some sort of how you came up with your totals. Because I feel like when you're using like TurboTax, it's kind of easy to just throw in like a thousand or 200 for the expenses. And you see this like number at the top of the screen, like keep going like down or up like your refund, how big it's going to be or whatever. So it's like, well, let me throw a little more in here, you know? So it's, I wouldn't say it's very common to be audited and it, and really they're looking for bigger fish than like, you know, just a couple hundred dollars here and there. But kind of the name of the game when it comes to the IRS is for businesses is that your deductions should be ordinary and necessary. That's how the IRS defines it. So ordinary meaning like typical things for your industry that make sense that you would need to buy in order to do what you do and necessary like you actually couldn't really do what you're doing without it. Like it's typical and it's needed is basically how to stay away from audits. <laughs> Perfect. And then when it comes to saving receipts, I know a lot of us get, we're part of memberships and software. So like everything's deducted. And then some of them send, you know, like digital receipts, but we very rarely have paper receipts. So is this something where we need to be saving all of those digital receipts? Or is it kind of like we could probably prove that we had the software? Yeah, like on your, each of those softwares in the billing area is probably like a summary that you could print or you could ask the company to please, you know, provide you with a, a summary of, of all payments you've made. Plus, if you dug through your emails, like using the search bar, you could find all of them. So yeah, in, in the event of an audit, you could probably put something together that would be pretty, you know, even just your bank statements would show or credit card statements would show the like you know the the name of that software and the amount that of the you know what you were charged. So the thing that like that having a receipt shows you that that like not having a receipt doesn't is like if you went to Target and you spent three hundred dollars, like just showing that on your credit card bill, it doesn't say what you spent it on. You know, so so you can't really justify that it was business or personal because it's just a total. But if you you know have a Target membership or whatever you in the app it shows you everything you bought so it's like nowadays a receipt really isn't super crucial to to keep because there's so many other ways to dig up that info oh that's so good to know because i was just when you said target i was like we just had an event for and i like got all this food at costco and i have a costco membership so i can pull it up exactly yeah it's pretty Um, handy okay and then you brought up our bank accounts and Mm -hmm. i think this is something that people may not do or they don't know. But can you tell us about how important it is to have separate bank accounts, credit cards, that kind of stuff for our business? Yes, absolutely. I love talking about this subject. So (laughs) it makes your life easier to have separate accounts for business and personal. And if you don't feel like you're ready for like an LLC and all this fancy stuff, you're just like, I just want to keep it simple at the beginning. You can still have separate bank accounts. You could just have two like personal checking accounts and just use one 
for stuff related to your business and one for personal. And the way the flow should go is that every time you get paid, so whichever, you know, um, revenue stream software you're using, if it's Stripe or, or whatever, HoneyBook, all these different ones, just have, you know, the bank account that, that money gets deposited into be this separate bank account. That's not like the regular household bank account that you're using. So money from business should flow into there. And then any direct costs like um, software subscriptions, like things like that, that contractors that you pay out, like a photographer, you know, advertising fees, like ad spend, whatever, should then be paid out of that bank account. Or if you have, you could also do a separate credit card and use that credit card. And then the credit card bill should be paid from this separate bank account. And then when you want to pay yourself, then you can transfer whatever money's left that you feel comfortable, you know, so that you're leaving some sort of balance in the business account. Then you can transfer that to your personal, but it should always start in the business account or that separate kind of account and then pay any like direct business expenses out of there and then transfer money to your personal. Love it. This is probably so bad. I don't know. (laughs) I still, so I've done this since I had my business, always had separate, but my business account, y'all, is technically a college account. (laughs) It was like a bank bank account that I had set up when I had college. And so it was just not doing anything. So when I started this business, I was like, what should she use that one? And still to this day, it is a college account. I love it. Wells Fargo has not said anything. So the only thing that I would just say about that is if you are ever worried about like liability protection or asset protection, you know, if you were to get sued, if there was a creditor that was coming after your business assets or something, if the business bank account is not in your business's name, it's in your personal name, then it's not separate from your business. So like, which I mean could work. It depends who's suing you, but like if someone's trying to sue you personally and you know, all your business assets are in separate accounts with the LLC name or whatever, then they can't come after those, right? They can only come after things with your personal name. But if you are using a personal account for, you know, when you start having a lot of assets and, and a lot of cash and, and things like that, then it's good to really make sure that the right naming is on each each account. Just, just to kind of protect your assets. So this is my accountant telling me I need to change that in 2023. Hey, you need a, a New Year's goal. So there you go. <laughs> and so I think the big thing that a lot of people get stuck on then is, so there's accounting and then there's bookkeeping. Yes. And so can you tell us like, what is the difference in this and how does that work? Yes. Okay. So accounting and bookkeeping are the same thing, but taxes and bookkeeping are different. Accounting is a fancy word for bookkeeping and like the accounting principles and all the rules of accounting are used to do bookkeeping properly. And the purpose of bookkeeping or accounting is twofold. There's an internal purpose and an external purpose. So the internal purpose is for you to be able to make decisions about your business and to understand how your business is going. And when it's your side hustle and you're just starting out and you've got a lot of other things going on in your life, you probably don't care as much about the internal purpose of bookkeeping because you can clearly see if there's money in your bank account or not. And like you've got other stuff going on. So you're not really like depending on this solely to be your like focus, like financially. Now, when you're starting to think, am I ready to quit my nine to five and and switch fully? Well, then we really want to look at the numbers to see well, how much am I making each month? Wait, can I afford this? Or 
if whenever you're ready to make a financial decision in your business, can I hire an employee? Can I hire a contractor to do this for me? Can I get a virtual assistant? Like these things, you know, you have to know, well, what are my monthly expenses and what revenue do I bring in each month? So like you can budget and you can plan for the future. So doing bookkeeping or, or, you know, keeping up with your accounting will help you see the numbers on a monthly basis that you, after you've entered all your transactions in and organized them and reconciled them, then you can print like a report. There's one called a profit and loss PL that really shows like the money coming in and the money going out really nicely. So you can track your profit and, and then you can decide what to do with that profit. Do I want to take it for myself? Do I want to reinvest it into the business? Do I need to put some aside for taxes? What will my tax liability be? So for the internal purpose, it helps bookkeeping and stuff helps us make business decisions. It helps us set goals for ourselves, revenue goals. If you don't know how much you're making, then how can you set a goal? And just looking at revenue isn't really enough. You know, in CPA firms, there's like all these like, you know, Twitter and like Reddit things I'm in. And everyone's always bragging about, oh, I have a $6 million firm and stuff. But nobody talks about profit. Like nobody's ever saying, but after all my expenses, I have a $100,000 firm or, you know, $50,000 firm. So it's really important to get to the bottom of that number. And you might be able to, on your, you know, sales software, see like how much you're bringing in, but it's not going to show how much is going out to all these other expenses. So bookkeeping or accounting work, it gives you the full picture so that you can make internal decisions for yourself and for your family and for your business. Now, the external purpose is the, the IRS for taxes. <laughs> so the business section of your tax return, or if you you might get to a point where you actually file a separate tax return for your business, and we're, we're going to talk all about the S-Corp stuff in a bit. For that, to be able to fill out the business part of your tax return, It's literally just asking you for that profit and loss report. It's literally just wanting you to type in all the information that you've been keeping up with in your bookkeeping. So it's really twofold. It's for you, but also the IRS needs that information. That, that is what makes your tax return is that information. So like sometimes people don't really value like bookkeeping. They just don't understand why it's important because they don't really care about the numbers, which is totally fine. Like there's always a stage like in your business where you just aren't ready to like look at those numbers yet. But regardless, like in order to have an accurate tax return, like you have to track that stuff, unfortunately. (laughs) Okay. And I think it's so important to track your numbers. I think you should always, and I don't even care if you like to do it or you should do it. And (laughs) I'm a big fan of profitability. So we love to talk about profit on the show. But okay, so you talked about like when you get to the end, you're doing your profit loss and then there's like money left over, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, what do we do with this? So I know we've kind of talked about this, I think last year or something. But where does it get tricky when it's like, okay, I'm going to take all this money and pay myself with it? Like, where is that like, and maybe this doesn't come up. Tell me if I'm wrong. This may not even matter until you're filing as an S-corp. But I don't know. Is this like an issue when you're sole proprietor as well as S-Corp? Or is this just an issue once we get to S-Corp? Well, S-Corp, you add this layer of that you also need to be on payroll for what the IRS calls a reasonable salary. So your take-home is salary plus, we call them distributions, but it's those transfers from your business account to your personal account. Those are distributions or owner draws. So that plus salary is your full take-home. So that it just is like a little more complicated when you're S corp because there's like two ways that you're paying yourself. And collectively, when we add those two ways up is your total take home that you're trying 
to make for the year. But like the IRS makes us play a game and like pay you two separate ways because one gets taxed with payroll taxes and the other doesn't. And the IRS is like, you have to pay some payroll taxes. So that's why we do some on salary to kind of play this game. But when you're a sole proprietor, all of it is just transferred, but like owner draw distribution, there is no salary. And all of it, unfortunately, is is subject to the payroll taxes. So that that's really where the savings in, in switching to an S-Corp lies is when it comes to Social Security and Medicare tax, the, the payroll taxes. Because when you're just like a Schedule C sole proprietor, the whole profit of your business is taxed. Um, th- one really confusing thing is that you are taxed on your revenue minus your expenses, which is profit. But you are not taxed on the amount of that profit that you then transfer to your personal account. So even if you didn't even pay yourself a penny of it, you left all of it in your business checking account, you'd still have to pay tax on the full profit, the revenue minus the business expenses. And you paying yourself is not a business expense. So it's just like all the kind of overhead for your business. That profit, it doesn't matter how much of it you take, even if it's none, you still have to pay taxes on it because it's your profit, it's your taxable income. So when you're a sole proprietor, you can just, however much you want, you're paying tax on it no matter what. So you can move all of it to your personal account. You can move some of it. You could do it monthly. You could do it daily. You could do it once a year. It doesn't matter. But I always recommend figuring out what your monthly average expenses are for the business and leaving about three months worth of cash in your business checking, just so that if something weird happens, you lose a contract, you lose something, you know, the internet breaks or, you know, whatever, you have a couple months worth of cash to to pay any, you know, subscriptions you have and things before you get back on your feet. And then whatever's left, the excess cash, you can just pay yourself that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. And I think the other thing is that we've built up to that. Like that wasn't like one month I didn't pay myself because we were building up to this three month thing. It was something that was saved each month while I was still taking money to get to that point. So I didn't want anyone to think. And I totally jumped the gun because I was like, there's something (laughs) about how I get paid. I have to. So with that, then this is a great segue into... We hear like, should I be an LLC or an S Corp? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. ah, those are not even like the same thing. One's Mm -hmm. a legal entity. But what's the difference between LLC, S Corp, and then being an LLC filing as an S Corp? Yes, yes. And I'm so impressed that you even know about LLC filing as an S Corp because I think it's like hard for our brains to process that you could be both like, and, and you can be both. So good job that you know that. So Basically, if you do nothing and you just start making money and you're just using your name and your social security number to like do business, if you ever are asked to fill out a W-9, you just put your name and your social, you are still a business owner and the IRS still considers you a business and you still have to report the revenue and the expenses like that you're having for your business, even though you don't have like a business name. You could then get like DBA or fictitious name or, you know, every state has a different name for it and kind of do business under a different name, but still not have like an LLC, but you just kind of want to be able to like accept payment under a different name. You can totally do that. Every state has like a state website. The secretary of state has like a website that you can just like register for that. It's much cheaper than an LLC. And it's just a way kind of a segue into having a separate entity, but it's not really a separate. It's just sort of like a a DBA for your personal name kind of thing. So that's like a baby step into this whole like entity thing. And then you might decide you want the LLC. Most people get an LLC because they think it sounds cool. 
that's like kind of the primary reason. What it really is for is liability purposes. It creates a layer of protection from you personally versus your business so that if your business were to get sued, they wouldn't be able to come after your personal assets because there's business assets are like a separate entity than your personal. But like a lot of us like online service providers, and honestly, I consider myself an online service provider at this point. We're fully remote, you know, doing tax returns remotely and and providing that service to our clients and consulting and all sorts of stuff. I may worry about getting sued in my line of work, but many of us maybe, you know, if you're doing like, let's say Facebook ads or something, you might not be that worried about like a creditor coming after. So like you probably don't even necessarily need to be an LLC right away. And it also really depends on what state you're living in. Like California charges like seven or $800 a year to become an LLC. And then like Florida charges like $100 or $138.75 actually. But, and you have to renew it every year. So, and most states are around $100 to sign up to be an LLC. Um, you just sign up online and it's within your state. So, you know, if you move, if the, if you're doing business in another state, but you live in this state, then it can get a little tricky. And, you know, a professional, can, we can always help you out with what you should do in those situations. But it's mostly for the, it feels kind of like legit when once you become an LLC emotionally, but like legally, it's like, if you are really worried about like asset protection, then it is kind of important. But like, if you're not, then it's like really more just like kind of for funsies to like, and to sound more professional. And it, I mean, it's nice to do business under a different name than your own to kind of respect your privacy. Once you get that LLC, you can get something called an EIN or tax ID number with the IRS, which is basically like a social security number for your business. And that way you don't have to use your social on paperwork anymore. So you can really create like some separation between your personal life and your business life with an LLC. So a lot of people just go for the LLC because they don't mind the cost and it, you know, makes them feel special. And they, and like, hey, why not? protect some assets like while we're at it. It's a good deal. So once you're an LLC, absolutely nothing changes tax-wise. It's not really a tax thing. It's more of a legal thing. Yes, you have this tax ID number now that you can use, you know, to file taxes with, but like it's still the same section of the personal tax return that Schedule C. You're still a sole proprietor. You just have an LLC that like you're doing business under, but nothing tax-wise changes. Your tax liability doesn't change. The way you file taxes doesn't change. We have people all the time that are like, I'm an LLC, so now I need an accountant. No, you could still use TurboTax and just say, yes, I'm self-employed and type in the name of your LLC and your EIN tax ID number and still do the same thing. So nothing changes there. The only things that change you to like doing your taxes differently are when you elect to have that LLC file taxes as an S-Corp, that's one scenario. You have multiple owners of your business. Then there's a separate tax return that gets filed so that the, from the whole, you can allocate a piece of the business to each owner. It kind of has to happen in a separate place, the tax return, so that it can get kind of divvied up between everybody. Or if you, instead of choosing LLC, chose corporation for your for your business type when you were on your state's website, if you chose corporation, so you have like an ink at the end of your business name, I don't recommend doing that. But if you do that, then I wouldn't say I don't recommend, but it's not usually necessary. Um, then you, you default to being what's called a C-Corp, which is like Coca-Cola is like a C-Corp, like usually like publicly traded companies are a C-Corp and they have a separate tax return that gets filed. You default to that and you can elect to file as an S-Corp 
when you are a C Corp. So you can become a S Corp either from being an LLC and moving over or being a like a C Corp and moving over. But S Corps don't exist on their own. It's kind of an election for tax purposes only that is made by either a corporation or an LLC. And it's really just a tax thing. So like the state, when you're like on the state website, that's not like a choice to become an S corp. It's only LLC or corporation or like a DBA or whatever. And then with the IRS, you would fill out some paperwork or hopefully a professional would fill out some paperwork to elect to have you do your taxes as an S corp. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So I'm glad we cleared that up. And so at what point is this at 75,000? Is this a profit thing? At what point should our service providers be looking be like, okay, this S-Corp option may be a good way for me to go to like get the benefits? Yes, a great question. I would say 75,000, maybe even I would say 100,000 in profit is when it starts making financial sense to switch because there are additional costs associated with being an S-Corp. So we want the benefits to outweigh the costs. Some like really icky CPAs will just like make everybody an S-Corp because we get to charge you for two tax returns and the S-Corp return is more complex. So we charge a lot more for them. So some people are going to say, oh, be an S-Corp for sure so that they can charge you more. But don't like, don't listen to them. So yeah, I would say... You know, 75,000 is kind of like on the cusp of when it, when it's like, yeah, you're getting there. If you are making like 75,000 in profit and you're like, I know next year is going to be even stronger and I know that this is like going to be a steady thing, then go for it. But if you're like, oh, I made 75 this year, but I don't really know if I'm going to keep doing this next year or I, th- I don't think I'm going to be able to work as many hours next year. I'm just not sure what the future holds. Then it's not worth it. So the the kind of two things is like at least 75,000 a year in profit, so revenue minus expenses profit and a clear vision that like this is going to be the norm for you. Like it's this wasn't a fluke year and the next year you're going to be making 30,000. Then it's not worth it. Yeah, and so then it gets into this where can we talk about some of the expenses? I know you talked about like it's more expensive filing wise. But now we have to put ourselves on payroll. Yeah. And so that, y'all, I hate this part. <laughs> each month I'm like, yay, I'm supposed to get paid this month. And then like once you get in your bank account, you're like, wait, where did my money go? And some of you are probably used to that, but I never had like a nine to five. And so I'm, it's yeah. like that episode of Friends where Rachel gets paid. And then she's like, wait, who are all these people that took my money? That's how I feel sometimes. Yes. So let's talk about some of the expenses that are also associated with the S Corp status. Sure. Yeah. So just to go back to like the point of switching to an S Corp is when you are either sole proprietor LLC filing that Schedule C on your personal tax return, if you make $75,000 in profit for the year, so, you know, you had $100,000 in revenue, $25,000 in expenses, and that landed you at $75,000 of profit, you have to pay income tax, federal income tax, state income tax, if your state has income tax, on that $75,000. That's taxable income that you have to just pay regular old taxes on. But then you also have to pay self-employment tax on that. And that is Social Security and Medicare. It has a fancy name when you're self-employed, self-employment tax, because it's 
trying to kind of replicate what happens on a W-2 when you're like employed. If you've ever looked at like a W-2, it has like all these boxes on it and it's like, says social security, Medicare, federal withholding, you know, all these different things. Those are like, there's multiple taxes being taken out of your paycheck. It's not just income tax. It's also the social security and Medicare. So when you're self-employed, they just call social security, Medicare, self-employment tax, but it's the same thing. So those things come out of your entire profit, the social security, Medicare, that self-employment tax, the whole 75,000 is taxed on that. When you switch to an S corp, the profit, that 75,000 is no longer subject to the self-employment tax because you are not considered self-employed anymore. You are now becoming an employee of your business. So you are employed by your company. So the profit is not subject to that, but you are required to put yourself on payroll for a reasonable salary. And that is subject to the social security and Medicare taxes. So let's say you say, okay, well, for the amount of hours I work per week and looking at like, you know, the Department of Labor's website and what they say, like the averages for someone in my demographic, like doing what I do, $20,000 a year, like since I am working part-time, you know, is is a reasonable salary for me. Well, now only $20,000 a year is being taxed on that Social Security and Medicare, not $75,000. And it's 15% is, is what Social Security and Medicare is. So 15% of that $75,000, well, now we're only doing 15% of $20,000. So we're saving a lot of money in payroll taxes. And that's the point. So you're not saving on just regular income tax. That stays the same, but it's the Social Security and Medicare, those payroll self-employment taxes is, is why we switch. But then it's like, well, what about the reasonable salary? Like, wouldn't you want to make your salary as tiny as possible so that you pay as little of that 15%? Yes, but we have to be reasonable. So, and then the IRS doesn't really say what reasonable means. They just say it has to be reasonable. So, you know, working with a professional, we can kind of help advise on, what makes sense and we can play with it each year and, and increase it and decrease it. The other cool thing is that once you have a W-2 from your own business, like you are an employee of your business, you can open up like some really cool retirement accounts that you can't until you ha- are an employee of your business. So like something called a solo 401k, if you don't have employees except yourself, like no other employees, um, you can contribute to your retirement like as an employee and as an employer. So both can take the deduction. So you can have like more deductions when it comes to retirement too. You can put more money away for retirement. But okay, so the cost of the S-Corp. So that all sounds great, but then like what's what are the costs? So first there's paperwork that needs to be done to become an S-Corp to kind of tell the IRS like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is, you know, how it's going to work. So, you know, usually you'll get charged a couple hundred dollars um, for that paperwork to get done because you really want it to be done right. I've seen some horrendous attempts uh, by people doing it themselves. And the stakes are just kind of high with this stuff to be like playing with some of these tax forms on your own. And then you need to set up payroll. So I really like Gusto for payroll. There's also, if you have QuickBooks, QuickBooks has a payroll section like built into it. So then you never have to like leave QuickBooks. It's all in one place. But if you don't use QuickBooks, then Gusto is the way to go. And it's slightly cheaper than QuickBooks too, like $5 cheaper a month. Both are very user-friendly, but Gusto is like super user-friendly. So I really recommend that. And so that's going to have a monthly fee associated with it to have payroll software. And if you have like a professional set it up for you, there's paperwork that gets filed with the state that you live in and the state that any employees live in 
to have the proper taxes withheld from each paycheck. So there might be like a fee, you know, from an accountant to kind of file all the state paperwork with you, you know, just to get you kind of set up as an S-corp. And then like bookkeeping becomes really important because there's more forms a a part of the S-corp tax return. So the S-corp actually files its own taxes due March 15th every year. So a month before the personal tax return, April 15th. And it's a much more involved and complex tax return. So more details about your financials, your assets, your liabilities, your equity, all these other sections that you don't think about are required to be reported to the IRS. They get a lot nosier when you decide to be an escort. So you really need like actual books like that, like an accountant is reviewing and, and looking at. So that might cost you a monthly fee, perhaps like to have an accountant looking at your books. And if you're just like really good at doing it yourself, then you might not need to pay that, but you might just want like a professional to look them over. So that's another fee. And then the payroll that you put yourself on for payroll, the the business has to pay payroll taxes on your payroll, um, which is like around seven and a half percent of your salary, uh, which is cool because it's a business deduction. You get to write off the cost of it, but it's more cash being spent. So there's that cost. And then finally, filing the tax return that we charge a separate fee to file the business return. And, you know, sometimes it can be close to double what we would charge for a personal tax return because there's just a lot more compliancy requirements that the IRS has us put on that tax return, a lot more detail that has to get added and more calculations and supporting documents and things. So it's more work. So with all that said, we're, you know, we're talking about you know, like could be like a, over a thousand dollars for your for your tax return. Could be two thousand dollars for the tax return. But then you have all this bookkeeping that has to get done, and the pay, setting up the payroll, filing to be the S corp, the paperwork for that, and the payroll taxes that the business has to pay on your salary. So that's why I say like seventy five to a hundred thousand in profit. That's where when we run an analysis of like the tax savings that will happen from switching, that number is bigger than the cost of everything I just listed. That's when it's like, yep, even with all that, those expenses, you're still going to make out ahead. That's when it's worth it. Perfect. And I know the last topic I want to touch on, because this is a big one, is quarterly taxes or Mm. estimated taxes. Yes. So when do people start paying this? What are the ins and outs of that? Amazing question. And that is something that like we get emails all the time that's like, hey, I just got my LLC, so I need to start filing my taxes quarterly. And I'm like, no, taxes get filed once a year on April 15th, like or March 15th. There's no, there's not four tax returns every year. If there was, I'd be way busier. So no, that you don't have to file any taxes. It's literally just a bill that you have to pay. Like just go online and pay your bill once a quarter. And you have to do this for the for the federal like the IRS as well as the state that you live in if your state has you know income tax which Florida does not but a lot of states do most states do so that's two bills per quarter that potentially you may have to pay and the reason why businesses have to do this but but non-businesses don't like if you're employed by someone else is because like you were saying, Brandy, how that number is so much smaller when you get your paycheck because the taxes are just automatically being withheld from your paycheck. So it's like very convenient. The IRS is getting paid. The state, if you live in a state that has income tax, is getting paid. 
seamlessly without you having to do anything. So that's the good news. The bad news is as a, as a result, you have a smaller paycheck, but at least every pay period, you know, everybody's getting paid what they need to. So there's no administrative work for you when you're employed by someone. When you're an S-corp, you're like employed, but then you also take like these owner draws of the profit. And so that paycheck you have isn't enough to cover that too. It's almost like another stream of income you have from these draws that you're taking. So what happens is you have all this money that you're getting that you're transferring from your business account to your personal. And this goes for sole proprietors and LLCs too. Every time you move money from your business to your personal, you're getting paid, but no taxes are being withheld from that money, right? So the IRS is like, whoa, (laughs) we don't want to wait all the way till April every year to get paid. We really like that system we have where we get to take it out of your paycheck every time. Like we, we like to get paid ASAP. We don't want to have to wait and only get paid once a year. So that's where this like quarterly thing comes from. It's like a compromise where the IRS is like, what if we check in once a quarter and we ask you to like give us some money every quarter and same with the state that you live in possibly. And that way we don't have to wait till the end of the year and you can just prepay your taxes once a quarter. And the cool thing with that is that then when it's April, you don't owe $20,000 because you've been paying in each quarter, but like kind of requires you to put it on your calendar and remember to log into, you know, the IRS website or the North Carolina website or wherever and, and go in and, and make those payments. The question is then, do I have to do that? How do I know if I have to? And how much do I pay? Right. So, The system that the IRS has for determining whether you're on their list of people that have to do this is always based on last year. So last year's taxes were 2021. So if you owed $1,000 or more in taxes last year, and this goes for federal and for state, like separate, like analyze these both separately, then you are on the list of people who have to make these quarterly estimated tax payments. So it's basically just go online and give the IRS some money once a quarter. So if you're like, well, I got a refund last year. Well, then you didn't owe a thousand dollars or more. You got a refund. So you're good. So even if this year you're making like a ton of self-employed income that has not had any taxes withheld, you're good because last year is what they use to base whether you're required to. You can always do it just by choice, but you're not required to unless in the prior year you had a thousand or more that you had to pay out of pocket at the end of the year that you owed. So that's how it's determined. And if you're like, I'm good. I, I want to hold on to my money as long as possible. I will just wait and I don't mind if I just have to pay it all at once. That's cool. Like you're not going to go to jail or anything for not making these payments, but they do add like a little bit of like an interest and pe- like penalty. It's pretty low. So like it could be like a couple hundred bucks at the most. And so some people are like, that's fine. I, would rather hold on to my money all year. I put it in the stock market and I make bigger returns. Like, so it's worth it. Other people are like, nope, let's just get this paid each quarter so I don't have to worry about it. So there's kind of two schools of thought with that. I'm definitely a let's get it auto drafted. So I don't even think about it once a quarter. Okay. And then the amount that you pay, right? That's also based off of the year before. So you're required to pay. Like basically to keep, there's like, for some people it's 90%, for some people it's 110%. It can like, but basically like whatever you owed in tax last year, let's say you owed $40,000 in tax last year. So like a really big number, divide that by four. So that's $10,000 per quarter. That's how much you have to pay this year. And that's, we, we call it a safe harbor amount. That's like to keep you penalty proof. 
Because you might be like, well, I tripled my my profit this year. That's okay. The IRS just wants you to pay at minimum what you owed last year because they don't expect you to be able to predict and know like, you know, so let's just use last year's numbers, right? If you're like, yeah, but I know I'm tripling my money. Well, then maybe you want to pay $30,000 each quarter just because you don't want to get hit with a big bill at the end of the year. That's fine. But at minimum, they would want you to pay that amount from last year divided by four. Now, if you use TurboTax and you owe a thousand or more, it will actually at the end show you, hey, you owe a thousand or more this year. Therefore, you should start making quarterly estimated tax payments. Here's how much you should pay each quarter. And here's the date it's due. And here's where you go to make the payment. So it will do that for you. It'll just take the amount you owe and divide by four. If you use an accountant, we get a little more sophisticated with it and we like to use like live data. Like, so we don't want to just go back based on last year's numbers because we don't want you to, to either overpay or underpay each quarter. So we'll, we want to look at your numbers a little more often, like once a quarter to be like, okay, then we can do some tax planning because we could be like, okay, you're making way more money this year. Whoa. Okay. Let's actually set up this and then we can do this. And, you know, we have some strategies. Or we might say, hey, you're making less this year. No need to make such large quarterly tax payments. Let's let's make them smaller this year. So not everybody is required to make them. It's based on last year's numbers. And it's basically just a bill you're paying online once a quarter. Love it. But there's benefits to having an accountant bookkeeper on your team. Like not like one payroll, but like part of your team. And like, I just got off the call with my bookkeeper today. And one of the questions was, she was like, have you talked to Rebecca? Like, do you need to pay? Because we save for these. I was like, well, as soon as I get a P&L from y'all, I'll send it over to Rebecca. <laughs> and so then we know, because I usually pay quarter, like my first three. And then I always send it over to you or your team and be like, do I need to pay any more yes. for the last payment? And so that's always been helpful. We've done that every year. The second thing is like, if you do decide to move, like we had a super complicated situation when we moved to North Carolina for a year. We knew we were only going to be there for a year. I had talked to an attorney. He was going to set it up, but he was going to change my EIN. And we're like, no, we're in the middle of buying a house. We can't do that. And Rebecca came in and she was like, this is what you need to do. And we got this foreign thing and it's super (laughs) complicated. But like, that's why you have these people on your team is because like, this is not most people's zone of genius. Yeah. And it's like, it's a time for us to get to shine and nerd out and do what we went to school to do. And it just creates so much more space and energy for you to do the thing that you're amazing at. So it's like a win-win. And at your office, I know I use a different bookkeeper because I also, they're like life coaches too mm-hmm. around money. Yes. But yep. I know at your firm, it's Taxes and bookkeeping. Can, mm-hmm. So can you tell some of the benefits of having those together? Yes. So my thing is either have us do your bookkeeping or have a really cool bookkeeper that we can talk to whenever we want, which you happen to fit in that category. So we love your bookkeeper and we open communication and we can say, hey, tell me what's going on with Brandy's payroll or has she done this yet? And we can do that without even looping you in. And we're just like in constant communication. So That's really great is if you have a separate bookkeeper that's not the same person who's doing your taxes, that's okay as long as they're 
like comfortable communicating with your CPA and you're not getting like weird vibes when you bring that up. Cause sometimes bookkeepers like are afraid of CPAs and sometimes CPAs are really mean. So it makes sense why they're afraid, but like hopefully they can have a really good communicative like relationship because those numbers, like I like that, you know, Brandy's your bookkeeper is giving you coaching. So like they're not just preparing those numbers, but then they're digging deeper and helping you you know, make all these business decisions and budget and do all these great things and and help you deal with like all the ins and outs and ups and downs of being a business owner. That's great. But then we need to make like tax decisions with those numbers. So the the two go hand in hand. So our thought of offering bookkeeping services in-house was that, well, now we don't have to like, there's not much of a gap to bridge between who's doing the books and who's doing the taxes because it's all the same office doing it. So We have some clients who we do actually do a monthly call with where we dig through the numbers and we do sort of like business therapy, business coaching, kind of help them through. So kind of similar, but we don't do as much with like budgeting and and things like that. It's more kind of like always like with a tax lens of thinking of like, what can our tax strategy be here and what kind of tax planning can we do? I would say interview different bookkeepers and see you know, what you think either have who's doing your taxes, do your books or someone who can talk with who does your taxes um, because the two like really have to communicate. Love this. And I was also say like going through buying a house, having mm. bookkeeper and Rebecca on like, uh, there was so many things that we just needed being self-employed Yes, that like, it wasn't all the stuff that I knew how to even get my hands on. And yes. navigating that, you know, we prepared for it for like, as soon as we started working together, we mm-hmm. like started preparing for us wanting to buy a house. Yes. And then like, it's just helpful to have people who like actually know your situation and not general advice that's given. Yeah. So like H&R Block, they're not going to be helping you do that planning for like in two to three years, we think we want to buy a home. Like this just, that's not what you're paying for there, right? But I'm so glad you brought this up because this is something where when you're using like TurboTax, like, and you see like that ticker at the top that's like keeps showing like how much tax you're going to owe, it's like so tempting to like play with that number and, and stuff. But when you have big life decisions coming up, like in a few years, we want to buy a house. If you are being too aggressive with your write offs and just going a little bit too crazy with like every family vacation saying it's a business expense and like all of that stuff, you are going to have a very hard time getting a lender to give you a mortgage for a home. So it's sort of this like weird inverse relationship where the more profit you have for your business, the more taxes you're going to have to pay, but the bigger mortgage and the easier the mortgage will be to get approved for. So it's like you have to pay a lot of taxes to get approved for the mortgage that you want for a home, which is kind of annoying. The dream would be to have a spouse or if you have like a job, like you're employed and you have like a hustle side hustle to have like the W-2 income in your household be enough to get approved for the mortgage you want. That's the dream because then you don't have to use your self-employed income at all to get approved. But when you are self-employed, especially if you've only been self-employed for like a year or two, lenders are like super sketched out by it because they're like, well, how do we know you're going to continue to make this money? And we just would like to see a few more years of this. And why are your deductions so high? And like, like, well, because I don't want to pay a lot of taxes, right? But it's like really hard for them to give you a mortgage. Something that's cool about working with a CPA is a lot of times a lender will ask us to write a letter kind of backing you up. Like, hey, she's good for the money. Like, don't worry. I'm signing off on this with the three letters at the end of my name. And then they'll give you the mortgage. So 
just like you said, having a team, it's like having that kind of toolkit of people on your side that like can help you with these really big life things that that happen. You know, it, it's so important. It can literally change your life. And I'm not even going to go on the tangent of how I think it's so messed up. The amount of hoops that we had to jump through. Oh, yeah. When I'm like, people are losing their job, like their nine to five W-2 positions every single day. Yep. And they could get approved for a mortgage so much easier than us. And tomorrow yes. I don't have a job. But then I had to jump through, like, I had to write so many letters yep. and explain. And it's so annoying, but it is the way it is. And that's why you need an amazing team to help you navigate these situations. So, Rebecca, this has been so helpful. Thank oh, you so much. And so yeah. tell my audience, where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more? Yeah. So our website is um, conscious-accounting.com. Conscious is like a very annoying word to spell, it turns out. So good luck. But um, we'll link that, that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Because I mean, even I spell it wrong most of the time. Um, so yeah, if you're thinking of an LLC name, pick one that's easy to spell. And then we're really big on Instagram. Um, we do most of our helping the community through Instagram. So we do a lot of tax tips and kind of ideas for you and your business there. So that's just at Conscious Accounting. And then on our website, you can sign up for our newsletter and we give away a lot of tips there as well. That will just pop up right when you go to our website. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the best ways. If you'd like to work with us on our website in the top right, there's a button that says Let's Connect and there's just a form that you fill out right there. And then one of us will get in touch with you and we can kind of learn about what you have going on and, and see if we can help you. Perfect. I love it. And I don't put my name behind a lot of people, but I will put my name behind Rebecca. She has been working with us now three or four years. So, and she's just helped us out a tremendous amount. So, so appreciate you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. And make sure we will link up all those links in because her Instagram is incredible. So we'll make sure y'all check that out. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. How freaking good was that? We talked about paying yourself quarterly taxes. What are your chances of getting audited? Do you need to keep receipts, bookkeeping taxes, you name it, LLC versus S Corp? And we really debunked a lot of the myths out there of when it comes to paying taxes and taking care of business. I mean, that is what it is. When you are confident in your bookkeeping and your taxes, you are taking care of business, my friend. And so go out, check out Rebecca's Instagram. It's great. I cannot recommend them enough. Conscious Accounting has been wonders for my business. I got it when I was just getting started. And I definitely think Accountant is one of those investments that is definitely worth it, like right off the jump. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a comment or a review. Go check out Rebecca. Let her know what your favorite thing was. And until next week, my friends, go out, serve your clients, scale your business, and soar into the success you deserve. Thanks again for tuning in to the Serve, Scale, Soar podcast with your host, Brandy. If you loved our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.